Hey, I'm Bob Runkle, and for as long as I can remember, I've loved pop culture. Despite the challenges I've faced in my life, pop culture has always been there for me. I love talking to people and being a platform for others to share their thoughts and stories. Because if there's one thing I never get tired of, it's seeing driven, talented, and inspiring individuals follow their dreams, no matter what obstacles are in their way. And I know a thing or two about that. Welcome to the DJ Bob Show. I'm DJ Bob. Roll it. The DJ Bob Show. Pop culture, past and present. And now, here is your host, DJ Bob. Honestly, I love talking to other creatives. Because everybody has their own process. And that is what we're going to discuss today. We are joined by my friend, Jillian Pencavale. You know her as the host of True Crime Obsessed, or The Hamilcast, or the 10,000 other projects she's doing. And we talk with her about podcasting, life in general, and the most important question, how are you? Yeah, things get really real. I love this conversation, and I hope you do too. So, would you mind giving us a little elevator pitch of you and basically all the things that you do, the 10,000 things that you do Oh, wow. An elevator pitch of myself? Okay. So, my name is Jillian Pensavalli. My pronouns are she, her. I am a podcaster. It took a while for me to get there. I used to be an actor. I started in radio and voiceover, so I guess it's not that far of a leap. But yeah, I used to be an actor, and I decided that I didn't want to do that anymore when I found podcasting. So currently, my podcasts are True Crime Obsessed, which is a true crime comedy podcast, which I know um, doesn't sound great, but what we do is we- It's wonderful. Thank you. I but I know true crime comedy. It's it's very um, it's not a good descriptor of it because what we really do is recap documentaries. So we approach the stories and the documentaries with a little bit of levity um, and we never victim blame or shame or laugh at anything horrible. It's usually, you know, the incompetent lawyer, the corrupt cop. The fact that you agreed to a documentary and like all of your dishes are in the sink or just, you know, we just talk about or we just go on some sort of journey where we didn't know where we were going to go and impressions are done or whatever. Um, so we we consider the podcast to be respectful of the victims. We consider ourselves victim advocates. Um We've been doing that for five years. We do live shows. We just came back from London. Uh, we have now, you know, Patrick, my co-host and co-creator of True Crime Obsessed, he's launched this network where there are other podcasts on it. And I have a show on it called Let the Women Do the Work, which was a phrase that came out of True Crime Obsessed, where we were angrily screaming about how these men just weren't listening to the women in the room. And I, I, I think it started, I was just saying something like, you see what happens when you just come in and let us do the work. Like we're so much better at this. When a woman comes around, like whatever. Um, people now have that phrase tattooed on them, which is wild. I and saw that. It, it's I get DMs like it's crazy. It's she that person who I, I recently posted. They are not the first person who's to send me that photo. It is wild. It makes my heart like 
beat at a very fast pace every single time it happens. But you probably wanted to do similar things for your favorite people or your Yeah, favorite. you know, uh, yeah, the ADHD has made it uh, I don't have any tattoos, but yes, of course. You know, I'm I'm such a fan of so many things. So, you know, when we when it's raining in Chicago and we just did a show and it's freezing cold, like, of course, I'm going to stay outside and say hi to people and take pictures. Obviously in Seattle, the same thing, Seattle, which blessed me with the gloomiest, like nineties, rainy, chilly weather when we were there. We, I was we so loved excited. That. I loved it. Um, so yeah. So let the women, so where was I going? So, um, yeah, TCO is, has been sort of my jumping off point, but actually no, the Hamilcast was the Hamilcast is a podcast about Hamilton, the musical that I started, uh, before I knew anything about podcasts. I didn't know how to make them. I didn't listen to any with my ADHD. Um, if I, if there's not a visual component, it's a little you're difficult. Not, you're not for here me. for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just tricky. You know, like, uh, even though I'm, you know, I'm on meds and I have my like coping mechanisms or whatever, it's easier. That's why documentaries are easier for me to cover. But anyway, I didn't listen to podcasts, but I fell in love with Hamilton before I'd seen it. I was just listening to the music that was in October of 2015. And by October, 2016, I was using the, um, the camcorder that my husband and I used to make our web series about New York city actors and commercials. And, um, that grew into six and a half years later, a podcast with 300 and I just actually finished exporting my 340th episode um, with George Washington in Germany, the first translation of the show. You know, Lin-Manuel Miranda has been on twice. It's been such a journey with that show. But that show led me to meeting Patrick Hines. This is not an elevator pitch. This is an elevator pitch is what, like 45 seconds? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that led me to Patrick Hines. Uh, who was also doing Broadway podcasts. And we sort of like fell in love friendship wise, which is crazy because, you know, he's married with a kid and I'm married. And when you're in your thirties, it's hard to make new friends kind of, and friends that then lead to a business together. We sort of, it's kind of crazy how, how that whole situation happened. And that led to let the women do the work, which was a way to highlight women's voices and stories that are often erased in true crime. So that's a 10 episode series. My husband, Mike, has a podcast called Ted Michael Reads Sketches into Microphones, and it's a really funny sketch comedy. I'm super proud to be the executive producer. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, it's just like, you know, we ha there's a Steve Zahn thing. I know how much you love that thing you do, as mm -hmm. do I. Uh, my husband, Mike, does a great impression of Steve Zahn. And um, yeah, so that's led to like a whole bunch of other projects i feel like i'm rambling but yeah i just i'm a podcaster and i'm proud to say that the elevator is stuck so <laughs> yeah, good Whew, okay good okay. <laughs> so so what is something that you wish people knew about you oh wow i don't think anyone's ever asked me that before it's interesting because you know mike says that through all of my podcasts and every interview i've done or whatever he always says that you'd be hard pressed to find something that the listeners don't know about me because I'm, I wear everything on my sleeve. Like I sort of my, from, you know, ADHD and struggling with that to coming out as bisexual on true crime obsessed to, uh, you know, discussing my experience with crimes, with sexual violence, with, you know, relationship issues and abusive relationships and things like that. I'm pretty open, um, from like, my love of that thing you do, which literally, I mean, Bob, mm. everyone knows that I love that movie um, to the serious thing. So what I wish people knew about me is that um, I guess. Oh, wow. 
that sometimes it is hard, you know, like it is, it is hard to go from to endless, you know, endlessly watching and analyzing true crime documentaries. That can be really difficult. You know, when I'm talking about my triggers and, and my trouble sleeping, which is a real thing. Um, and my process of doing things with the ADHD and just, um, my experience. Cause it all, you know, with, with TCO, just, and I'm using that as an example because that is, I guess, you know, for lack of a better term, like the most popular of the, the shows I make. Yeah. Um, I think people sort of forget like, oh, it's funny and she's laughing, but sometimes I go home and like have a really hard time dealing with the stuff that we covered. Um, so sometimes I have to really make it a point to separate from that and not feel guilty about like not thinking about the horrible thing and not being able to solve every horrible issue that's happening in the world. Um, I get, I let myself get overwhelmed about like, I can't fix it all. I can't save every animal. I can't save every kid. I can't save every woman. I can't save every person. And that's, that's hard for me to get to, to uh, reconcile with sometimes. So that's, that's something that I don't really talk enough a lot about anyway. And being vulnerable and being open and honest. I mean, before we got on here, we had a talk sure. and, and we're okay with it. Yeah. You know, we were just talking. It's just sometimes things end up things, creative things, creative endeavors, projects, relationships, um, anything can sort of end up being what it's meant to be and not looking anything like how it started. Yeah. And I have so much experience with that. And I was telling you, like, I hate the phrase everything happens for a reason because I just don't think it's true. Like sometimes horrible things happen and we have to cope with it. But I do think that when you lean into a show or a, or, you know, you lean into sort of what's happening and you 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 get rid of that. Well, it was supposed to look like this. I was supposed to do this. Like, that's never going to work. You you it rare, the path rarely looks like the way you thought it was going to. And if you keep feeling like it has to look like this, then you're going to miss out on things. You know, I thought I was going to be an actor. What if yeah. I said no to podcasting? Like what my life would be. I love my life and it would be not that now and i that would be a really sad thing for me and i feel like i'm in such a healthier place now because when things happened i did not want to do the podcast whatsoever really i shut down for like i mean i i did it but it wasn't fun yeah it was my only way to sort of cope yeah but now I look back at that, I hear those old episodes, and I'm like, that's not me. Uh-huh. I totally get it. That's a version of me that was just trying to get through the day. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry you went through that, but I can really, like, hear in your voice that you're on the other side of it. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. Which is I, good to hear. I really feel as though people do come into your life when you need them to mm. and i've made new friends i've had new podcast connections so it's all it's and when when you're in that mode you don't see it then but of, yeah. eventually it works itself out yeah and I, i'm i'm an i'm a big advocate for um as hard as it might be, especially if you don't have a lot of practice with it, 
releasing yourself of any obligation because of like who the person is or used to be in your life. Like I am very vocal about, for an example, not engaging with toxic family members. I don't subscribe to, well, he's your brother. So just like work it out. No, if that person is, I don't, I'm an only child. So I'm just, this is really just an example. Yeah, I'm um, going to say, <laughs> you know, no, I'm just, but like, I have people in my family who I like happily don't speak to because there, I know they're terrible people. And I know that there's no point. Like it, they yeah. bring me nothing, but like they don't, they don't just contribute nothing. They are a negative. So there's no reason for me to engage, but um, in their manipulation and narcissism, like I'm just not going to accept that. Yeah. But, it, but a lot of people say, you know, my mom used to hear this all the time about her dad, like, well, he's your dad. Like you should really. And she's like, well, he should be thinking the same way. You know, like it's just, I know people in my life who, who are struggling with that right now. Like, well, they were really great to me 10 years ago, but like, what have they done for you lately? Yeah, and I think it, pr it, protecting yourself um, from what you need, because when someone's toxic, they don't really care about what you need. They only care about themselves at the same time it made me more creative yes i'm sure made, it did it made me want to do more and it made me want to talk to people that i spoke to before and it's like but at the same time it's like i wasn't in the space to yeah. do it right but and now, i'm not saying that's easy to make that separation you know like i think a lot of people feel like oh i'm it's so hard and i'm feeling so sad so maybe it's not the right thing the right thing can also be the hard thing and the sad thing you know it's always yeah. hard when something ends especially when you again didn't think that that's how the story was going to end and then it ends in this way that's hurtful i've been through that countless times countless but times but we're being very vague about it and that's how we're going to keep it but because <laughs> this is your show DJ but, Bob, I'm here, you know, but, whatever you want to do. But we're friends. We are. I've been doing this recently on the pod, and we're going to do this a couple of times. But do you have any questions for me about what I do or my creative endeavors just to switch it up a bit? Yeah, you know, I would. It's a little bit of like a technical question. Is that okay? Kind sure. of. But you've had some really famous people on your show. And I remember, you know, like Tom Everett Scott from that thing. You <laughs> yeah. He's a really famous person and really, I'm sure, like sought after. And I'm just curious how you, I mean, you are an independent creative podcast. You don't have a big network behind you. I'm sure people like Tom Everett Scott, they're getting DMs from people all the time. Like, what is it about you, if you can be honest and complimentary about yourself, that sort of gets you access to these people that I would think would be impossible to get to sit down and be on your show? It's it's amazing. Well, he's the best example because he <laughs> is he was, really? He was yeah. He was he was working on a show for families on Netflix, which you should actually watch, called The Healing Power The Healing Powers of Dude. And okay. he played the father on that show. And that show is about a boy with social anxiety. And he has a, a service dog voiced by Steve Young. And Bob, are you kidding? This yeah. sounds so, so up my alley. It feels like you're, so, you're, it feels so like you're joking. No, okay. it's real. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm putting it on my list. Yeah, and so I spoke with the creators and I just said, I don't know where after the interview's done. And he's like, 
can with Tom be down to do it? And like a day or two later, I had an email and we were just talking. So, wow. It's just, but I honestly think that I'll tell you what it isn't mm. it's not the disability. Well, yeah, I, I didn't think it would be. No, but you know, some people think that it's, you know, oh, it's so nice that you're doing this despite, it's like. No, it's, that's bullshit. No, and no one knows that from an email. You know what I mean? Like, that's not but at part the of same, it. But at the same time, I do, I mention it in every email now. Now you do? Yeah. Because you didn't with me the first time years ago. I didn't know that about you. I talk about it more now. Because once I started talking about it, it created it created a new conversation between me and the guest that they wouldn't otherwise have. Like what? It made them feel like they could ask me questions. They had questions about my life or about what they wanted about. It changes their view on disability if they have any. Right. And now, but it's not preachy, the disability. I always say, let your disability be in the background and press record. Hmm. That, that's like my motto. Because it's there, but just do it anyway. Yeah, just do it anyway. So once I started talking about it, it helped. Because I approach interviews where I'm just talking to you. I prep, but I don't have a whole prep sheet of question one, question two. Yeah. Because then it sounds stiff. I agree. That's and what the Hamilcast is. And TCO, my only prep is like taking notes on the documentary so I can say facts. But yeah. the same thing with the Hamilcast. I have my prep sheet so I know like, you know, exact. so I don't in my crazy brain, if I'm feeling overwhelmed or whatever, I know, okay, they play George Washington in Germany. They do that, you know, that kind of thing. Or if I find something really interesting about them that feels sort of out of left field, like, wait, how did you do this before Hamilton? Like what? So I like that, but it's, it's only just sort of like fragmented sentences or just a little, a couple bullet points of like, oh, you know, if, if we have the same birthday, you know, like stuff like that. But yeah, I agree. Sometimes it's, Depending on the show and depending on you and what you want to put out in the world. I love that. Like, let's just talk and see where it goes. Yeah. Because it literally created some of the best <laughs> conversations, like the one that we're having right now. Like, oh, you, that's very nice. Because I was looking forward, so forward to talking to you because I knew when oh. podcasters get together. Oh. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's a whole other realm. Right. Yeah, you could just say when podcasters get together, ellipsis, dot, dot, dot. And then, yeah, it could just be anything. Yeah. I mean, what do you, I, I know that through your episodes, I'm sure this is made clear, but if you could give me, ha, I'm going to turn the tables on you, Bob. If you could give me the elevator pitch of like what you ideally in your perfect world would be the thing that people understood about people with disabilities. Because I know it's all different. It's not, it, you're, it's not. A blanket thing. I know that every, you know. There it is. One size doesn't fit all. 
Yeah. Because just because one person can't talk or can't communicate doesn't mean that the thing that I sort of dislike, the thing that sort of bothers me when I get spoken to in a condescending, preachy, hi, how are you? Like oh. that little. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, like I'm five years old. And it's like, no. I don't even talk to five year olds that way, but yeah, go ahead. Continue. And yeah, like it, you're, yeah. Yeah. Ugh. And Ugh. I, and I've, I'll, I've told this story a lot, but I'll tell you, I honestly want to hear your reaction. Oh, no. Okay. So, when I was in high school, I joined the bowling league because my mom was like, you know, you need to make more friends. You need to sort of be around people. So I said, okay, let me join this, this league. And this mother and this daughter came in one day. Now, the daughter was nonverbal and was sleeping the entire time. Now, a bowling alley isn't really a place for someone like that because it's loud, the sensory overload, what have you. And this mother was like, relentless, I want my daughter to make friends. I want my, like, screaming. And then the manager kicks her out. Rightfully so. Okay. And so she comes back in two weeks later. We're like, oh, shit, she's back. And she comes up to me and goes, Bobby, do you want to join a group where we sing songs and we finger paint? You were in high school? Yes. <laughs> oh. Right? Yeah. I, I mean... <laughs> One size doesn't fit all. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Because to me, that also sounds like a mom who's really, in some Ugh. ways, sort of trying her best. But also, I don't know. I don't know, Bob. And please, like, just tell me when I'm wrong. But I just feel like maybe that's that was for the mom to bring the daughter to bowling. Like, maybe if the maybe it's like you were saying, it's not the best place for her. And if she was sleeping and if she wasn't interested, like, maybe there was a better place yeah, to bring yeah. her daughter? Am I wrong? That's what I've always said. You know? But if, the finger painting is that. I just, I just That feels to me like someone who's really trying to, like, make for, it all for work. For their and, own good. Right, right, right. You know? It doesn't sound um, like someone who's listening. I like, just found it funny, and I said, you know, actually, I have a state exam in two weeks, so I cannot attend. I really... Yeah. Because... To show her, like, that can, that's not me. Yeah, like, but, really yeah. judging a book by its cover here. That's not, it's, yeah. But my point in telling all that is just because one person enjoys it or benefits from it doesn't mean everyone will. Right. And that's something that I've had to learn to sort of let people know in a nice way without being a dick right but it also must be hard if you just feel like you're repeating yourself all the time yeah i mean shockingly it's a part of the plan it yeah. just it comes with the territory yeah and especially as a podcaster too like i started doing this podcast when i was 15 
I'm almost 28 now. But, like, when I start doing this, when I start doing this, like, everybody, like, people at school be like, who set this up for you? Who did this for you? Who's doing this for you? Like, me. Yeah. And for the past 12 years, I've had this show. And I've built this sort of brand and the safe space for everyone to share their thoughts and their stories. And I'm so happy that we're able to have this talk because I'm sure you've never had an interview like this where it's so open and so honest and so free because I didn't want to ask you to 10,000 questions about the Hamill cash. We'll get to that or true crime. Of you can ask me anything again, Bob. Like, first of all, I just want to say, like, I think what you're doing and what you've done is so powerful. And also just like the staying power. It's it's hard work producing a show consistently in any way. You know that obviously more than I do. You've been doing it for twice as long. So and, I just and it started out live. Get out of here. Like, that's crazy. For but four, in the best for, way, I mean. For four hours. Like a real radio show. Yeah. That's how, that's what radio is, yeah. you know? Yeah, I want to be, I, I'm a radio guy at heart. Yeah. Like, G100 was my life as a kid. Remember? Yeah. Told you. Yeah. Elvis, I'm, Elvis Duran and the Z Morning Zoo, right? Yeah, G100 was everything to me. Yeah. But radio, but, you know, I couldn't commit to a radio schedule. Then podcasting came, and then I just started that. Well, I think that's fantastic. I really do. Like, it's hard to do something like this all the time. It's hard. I, I mean, to have a consistent or it just I mean, and I don't mean like. I'm sure you take time off or whatever and everybody does. I rarely, but I, mean, I rarely do. Yeah. You know. I mean, the Hamilcast, I take two episodes a week, uh, a week, two episodes a year off. It's the last two years. Oh my God. Why can't I speak? Words. It's the last, it's the the last, last two, two weeks. weeks of the year. Thank you. Yes. Um, I know. Yeah. I, I wish him. Right. But I try to, I'm ahead. That doesn't mean I'm like off, off. I'm just using that time to make sure I'm a little bit ahead for the top of the year. But I mean, consistently like 12 years, that's huge. Do you yeah. celebrate every year? You should. Yeah, we Good. do. Good. And most times, sometimes, maybe, maybe next year you could do this. Most times I have a past guest interview me, like a switcheroo. Oh, nice. I think. And it's, it's so fun to just do. It's, it's great. So next, the next thing I want to talk to you about is what were your pop culture obsessions growing up? Well, a lot. So growing up, when I was young, when I was very young I had um an uncle in my life who was like a teenager when I was in my very formative when I was a baby and growing up in three four five six years old so I watched a lot of MTV and a lot of I knew a lot of songs and bands that I was maybe too young for like 
the Beastie Boys and Run DMC and the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Van Halen at like a really young age. See, my equivalent of that is be being being five, six years old and requesting the thong song on the radio and being hung <laughs> and and being hung up on by the radio DJ. That oh my god. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but when you have that love, I remember like requesting Soul to Squeeze by the Chili Peppers when I was, you know, a, a youngster. But so I I loved, you know, Fight Like a Brave, the old Chili Pepper song and and Jump by Van Halen, like Jump. I, I remember seeing David Lee Roth on MTV and being like, how he's flying, like, who is this person? And there was the story goes that when I was, I think, five years old or six years old. My mom asks me what I want for Christmas. And my answer was David Lee Roth pants, which means that they were they were like pants with like fringes on the side. I got them, dear listener. I would like quote all of these bands like Run DMC and and I and the Beastie Boys. I was listening to the Beastie Boys um, License to Ill and Paul's Boutique while playing Nintendo on mute. So I, cause I'm an only child, right? So I was doing a lot of drawing a lot. That of, is a vibe. Right? That's... Like, so, like I was playing Nintendo on, so I loved Nintendo and video games. I loved drawing and making things for people. I was always making cards um, and, and letters and things for people that I can make that were personal to them and that I can just do alone. Like I love being an only child. Um, I was really, really independent and I would just, you know, even my mom, you know, it was like me and my dog downstairs in the basement at, at, you know, in our house in Queens and just like listening to Paul's boutique way too young, like not knowing what the rhymes are and learning yeah. later, like, Oh my God. And, you know, license to ill and having a crush on ad rock, like everybody did. And it was just, um, it was like music was my real, was my thing. But then also Tom Hanks, because at the same time, I had, uh, so that is one of the uncles I don't speak to anymore, but I had a, my mom's sister, um, who's younger than her, she and her now husband, they were like cool and young. And they introduced me to a little movie called the burbs and the burbs is one of the best, one of the best, like the burbs for sure made me who I am today. And you laugh. But it's true to quote Lin-Manuel Miranda. It is it really made me who I am today. Um, My love of like dark comedy and horror and Tom Hanks, truly. You know, it's weird. There are so many movies that shaped me that a lot of people wouldn't understand. Yeah. Why? Like, I think like because it's interesting because you know this. I like a lot of stuff that I shouldn't even know about or care about. Yes, exactly, exactly. So one of the movies that shaped me, and I got recently, I got to talk to the writers of it, which was really cool, was Good Burger. Oh, wow. Okay. It's a real stupid movie. That's Welcome to Good Burger, Home of the yes. Good Burger. Can I take your order? Is it's that the line? Re- yes. It's really stupid, but it's really wacky and gamey. You have. Yeah. But if it speaks to you, it speaks to you. you like have, the money pit was another one. Yes. You have, you have free in Goodberg, you have Carmen Electra being hit by a golf ball and like, you yeah. know, I miss, I miss the Good Burger movie. I'm going to make you watch it. <laughs> but it's, my thing is you have the, 
the thing, the core memory in China, you have oh. the core memory that make you who you are. Yeah. And, you know, I do my research on you. Uh-oh. What else? Let's talk about when you're, let's see, seven years old and you see Madonna? Oh, yeah, the Blonde Ambition Tour. So something like that. The Blonde Ambition Tour, what happened was um, our neighbors, for whatever reason, I so I was obsessed with Madonna. I was, like, choreographing the Immaculate Collection in my living room yes. uh, in Queens. And, again, like, singing the lyrics passionately, but not knowing full well, like, you know, the whole depth of what she was singing about. But I loved her. I, I unabashedly loved her. And I also like loved Ghostbusters. I was, uh, you know, like I, I just, I had a whole bunch of, I sort of didn't subscribe to like the, just cause I was a little girl, like the princess and the Barbies. Like I was a witch for Halloween. I was a dinosaur for Halloween. I was a Ghostbuster, but I also loved Madonna and our neighbors across the street had tickets to the blonde ambition tour. Looking back, it was like knowing what I know now, it was a massive, insanely hard to get ticket. And they couldn't go for whatever reason, or they weren't going to go. And they had four tickets and they gave us three. And the other one was just empty. And I remember going and like dancing my heart out and loving it. And then she did the like a virgin performance where she like redid the arrangement where it was incredibly, oh, incredibly the, sexy. The, the true, the truth or dare one. Yes. And she's on the bed and she's okay. like yeah. very like violently thrusting to nobody. I mean, she, there was a dancer there, but at one point she just sort of like, essentially like is masturbating on the bed in a very, there's like guitar involved. It feels very aggressive. It can tank. It's super intense. And I but I remembered like during parts of that show, like, oh, this is what sexy is like as a little kid thinking like something's going on here. Like, wow. And then that came and that was like definitely a little over my head. But like knowing that like something's going on. And I remember my dad <laughs> turning to my mom like I know. I mean, my memory as a kid is probably absolutely based on the stories that I heard about this moment. But my dad saying like, I can't like I can't believe this. Like, I can't believe that we're here with her. And my mom was like, whatever. Like, she'll like, no, also knowing like, all right, this is a lot, but what are you going to do? You're here now. And it was the hottest ticket in town. So that's my Madonna. And now you have this now I have memory. And she was also formative for me, of course, you know, desperately seeking Susan. And I just, there was so much about her in that era that was so um, like, I remember not, I don't remember it airing at the time, but I, I remember that like very famous quote of hers where she's like, well, yeah, I'm a singer and I'm a, I'm a performer and I don't think I have a very good voice. I just have something to say. And I thought that was a really powerful thing to say out loud. Like she doesn't think that she has the best voice. She has a very unique and a very cool voice, but she that she had something to say. And I remember thinking like, oh, so that's possible. Oh, okay. I remember you telling that story on a podcast of you going to that show and like, I need to dig into that a little more. Right. Yeah, it was fun. You have these moments that are not only like your mark, but like they, we don't realize how much the stuff we shouldn't be seeing impacts us. Yeah. 
or yeah, like not even shouldn't be seeing, but maybe wasn't created specifically for our eyes or ears or, or consumption. And then we, uh, we sort of stumble on it. And I've then got, it's, I've know. got a ton of those. Cause I was like a Nickelodeon kid and a Disney Channel kid, but then I would switch over and you one of my earliest memories and my, I talked to my mom about this now and she's like, you should not be watching. One of my favorite things to do was watch MTV Spring Break. Oh my God. That was like the stuff they got away with. But oh my as, god! As like a four or five year old, like, no. And, yeah, uh, and it's... <laughs> to the point where I remember seeing Eminem premiere "My Name Is" and do that oh. live. I wow. rem I remember that. So it's like I'm this, and because I had older sisters. They were of the TRL generation. Uh-huh. So when they were buying Britney Spears stuff, I would buy it. It was very, but I liked it. Sure. I mean, Spice Girls, I just bought a bunch of their reissues. Like, I am, I'm just a. I love the Spice Girls. I saw them live too a thousand years ago when they during their like reunion tour. I love them. Yeah. But also it's weird. Like you mentioned Nickelodeon. So I also love Nickelodeon, but they used to have Snick, which was like Saturday yeah, night yeah. on Nick, which I also loved. But then they would have their Nick at night. And oh, I know you love that. I love it because that's how I fell in love with the monkeys. And I also fell in love with Dick Van Dyke, Dick who Van was Dyke. my very first crush from Mary Poppins, but the Dick Van Dyke show. So Nick at night used to have this block party summer just thinking. And it was be like at month. It would be like monkey Mondays and Brady Tuesdays. You know, and, you know what? It, I have a bunch of those marathons on tape. I, like those Still. like with the old like I have recently not like semi recently recently enough like in the last six months I just got like a hankering to like live in that time again like that summer like whatever that 90s thing was and I YouTubed like Nick at night block party summer commercial and it brings you or like the bumpers like the oh, promo bumpers my and it brings yeah. you right back and so like watching the Dick Van Dyke show something about like summertime and the monkeys and there was just that 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 nostalgia and I can like smell it and I can feel it. It's, and there's something about that. That's like really beautiful to me. <laughs> it's interesting when you talk about the monkeys and you talk about like your love of them. So I also know that you like alternative rock and stuff like that too. I do. I love so, like, so what yeah. do you, th what do you think of when the monkeys were working with like, Rivers Cuomo a few years back. You know I thought I, it was great. I you know? loved it. I, I think it's so, you know, there are some people in this world who are like really famous for something and then they sort of resist to that. Like you can't talk to them about that. Like I remember Jared Leto saying that he didn't want anyone to talk about his acting because he was a musician with 30 seconds to Mars. Like he didn't want anyone to talk about my so-called life, even though that made him oh, famous. And it's it, like one of my favorites, you know, it, like there are some people who do that. There are other people who don't. And Mickey Dolenz is one of those people. And I know him and I think he's an incredible person, but I do have to say that I think it's a really beautiful thing 
to embrace and still be grateful and love the thing that made you famous all oh, yeah. these years ago and also embrace like the kids like rivers like the kids who grew up with you and also want to work with you now and instead of just being like and like gatekeeping in a weird way mickey dolan's is like let's make a christmas album like let's make a what let's make the good times you know did, like did you like the christmas record yeah yeah you know and i i just think there's there's such value to not even like even if nobody listened to it what a cool thing that all these generations later, all these kids, these people are just coming together with this mutual respect to make something new. Oh, oh I, like, clam I clamored you know, for it. it so I think it's so great. Like, I just love, I love all of that. And, you know, if you're not into that, fine. Like as, as someone who's famous, you know, if you, if you don't, if you want to be known for whatever thing, like whatever, it's not my business or my problem. But I, I think it's really cool when someone like Mickey Dolan's is so you know he's still touring now he's touring solo because he's the only monkey left and i know he's just yeah. so happy to work with other people and and highlight other people's things and that's i think so valuable because his legacy will live on and be much bigger than the monkeys but even you know it's like it doesn't he doesn't even need that like yeah. he's just a good guy and a and a great talented artist and a, like the most generous one of the most generous artists out there and i think that's awesome he, I know what you're into. <laughs> I I can get right? you. I can get you. You can uh, get me going. Yeah. So let's talk about the creative process and how you do think. Not specifically for Hamilton characters, but generally. So the last time you and I spoke, you were using Final Cut to edit. Yeah. That's, still, that's still the case? Still the case. I was doing it today. It's my muscle memory. You know, it's like, I know it's crazy, but for the Hamill cast specifically, like I've been making that show for six and a half years, which is absolutely insane, but it works, you know? And if I end up one day outsourcing some of the audio to do like the preliminary edits, which I'm not even sure I, I would ever do. But if I do, like I, I started, still, I do that. Did no. you? Everyone's telling me that I should do it. But um, I it, part of it is like I just I when I tell people that they can trust me and, you know, I, I always say, like, I'm not here for the drama or, you know, or if there is any, I'm not here for anything. I'm here for you and your story. And so if you want to take a bathroom break or get more water or you're talking and you realize like, mm, maybe I should take that from the top. Mm, I don't know if I should say that it's edited. So don't worry. And it's just me and you here. So. Uh, whatever that's a, that's more of like a technical thing and that's, but, that's the deck the safe space that i try to create here too like yeah if, of course if, if they're not comfortable with something we cut it right then and there or right whatever because it i want them to have the best representation of them what they want i'm not gonna make their work up or... right like the whole point is to make this person whoever you're talking to sound as good as possible like and, and that's it's not to say that they don't already sound great but it's to make them sound great i mean that's the whole point like it's their episode right so i take that seriously in in the edit and in the recording too is there any time where 
And this is kind of a deep question, but I'm just kind of curious. Is there any time where somebody said something so moving and so open that you had to stop? And just ponder it? Of course. Oh, yeah. 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 Me too. I mean, yes. That's, that's a short answer. That's really a... That's such a hard thing to do sometimes. Because you don't know whether you have to just take a breather or just keep going. But when you're being vulnerable and when you're being real, it creates um, a safe space for everyone. Yeah, I mean, I I've said this about the Hamilcast, and I also said it about Let the Women Do the Work, where my favorite thing in the world is when someone says either this or a variation of this, which is, I don't think I've ever told anyone this. Or, you know, now that we're talking about it, this is coming to me, or I never thought about it this way, but, like, to me, that is such... A compliment and such a nice thing to hear that we were able to have a conversation in a way that made someone get to that place where they're like either connecting dots in ways that they haven't before or feel comfortable enough to say like I was editing an episode today where they were like all right well now I'm going to tell you all my secrets and I'm like yeah I mean there's not even booze here it's virtual so yeah this is legit like let's I mean that's a that's a major major compliment I often get, when I ask a question, sometimes I get the, wow, you're good. I never thought of that before. And Oh, yeah, that's a good one. That's so freeing, especially since I barely do prep. In I was way just going to say that. Like, it, that wasn't a planned, choreographed, scripted question. That's just something that came from you in the in the moment. Yeah. I believe it was with a television writer, and I said... Is there anything that standards and practices said no to you, said no that you couldn't say because it was like a cartoon or something? And he had to think about it for a second. And he goes, you know what? There was something. And he goes, wow, you're good. I never thought of that. Right. So if I can make them sort of dig and really get there yeah. somehow, I've done it. Right. <laughs> I agree. And you you have this when I listen to the Hamilcast or even TCO, I feel like I'm just hanging with you. And I feel like that is the vibe you create. Oh, that's really, really nice, Bob. Thank you. I mean, yeah, that's really important to me. But at the same time, if you asked me how I did that, I don't know if I'd be able to have an answer. I mean, my no. answer would be, you know, before we record, I mean, the Hamilcast, I say exactly what I said before, like, this is a safe space. And then I ask people, I don't know, I, I just let them know that this is their time and they have the floor. And I think a lot of these actors and performers and people behind the scenes, even any anyone involved in the show is still still sort of surprised that I care about someone who's in the ensemble. Or I care about the lighting person or I care about, and I'm like, well, I care, but also like so many people care. So many people care. I know that for a fact. Um, so I think a lot of people are just 
when it comes to the Hamill cast specifically, really grateful to be able to have a space to tell their story and be asked questions because I think the entertainment industry sort of breeds this weird feeling or situation that you're not important unless you're the star, which I mean, for six and a half years or, you know, however long on the Hamill cast, I've been really trying to debunk that and just say, no, everyone's important. And the show wouldn't exist. Any show, anything wouldn't exist without all the other people that make it happen. Not just the people on screen. You know that about any any creative thing. Yeah. Everyone behind the camera, the people in the offices who are making sure that every contract is signed. So we, I always say on the Hamilcast, like on the stage, under the stage, like the pit, the musicians, on the side of the stage, backstage, and two blocks away, the offices, like the people, the bar managers, the ushers, like it takes, it actually does take a village. So I think people are just excited that someone is excited to talk to them, which still after all this time is wild to me that they're not, you know, encountering that on a more of a regular basis. And so that's part of the, I'm just set out to change that. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I was thinking about this earlier today before we hopped on, especially on true crime obsessed, there has to be with the documentaries you cover, there has to be some mention, and I know there is, of disabilities and inclusion and stuff like that. So, how do you handle disabilities and making sure that you're not making fun of us? I mean, that's an excellent question. Here's what I try to do first of all i absolutely try to do my best a lot so my process with tco is i watch the documentary a couple of times just straight through just just to have it in my brain and then i sit down and i spend for let's just say it's a 90 minute documentary i'll spend about three at least three hours taking notes on it which means that i'll play it and every five two three four five six seven seconds pause it to write down someone's name the date whatever, all of those specific things. If there's something that we run into where it can be the way to pronounce someone's name, I will start YouTubing that. I do like side research and I never, I don't have like a blanket, like here's what we have to say here. Here's what we should say here. It's always specific to the case and to the person. So there are things that we have been corrected on that moving forward, we will absolutely change because that's important. Visibility is important and that kind of representation is important. So now we don't say other words that people still use. Like for a, an example would be, we now will only exclusively say died by suicide instead of the other phrase, which people don't, you know, the phrase that people kind of grew up saying, yeah. I don't want to say it and add to that. But yeah. if people reach out and say in a nice way, you know, like, I know you try your best, but this is, you know, this is the preferred term now. So that, that happened, you know, a handful of times. And so now part of my prep is if we see someone who, if I, if we see some, a situation or a person that can, that we know is a sensitive topic, I will spend as much time as I need to Googling it, emailing people like with indigenous people, for example, too. like sometimes a documentary will call them native Americans or American Indians or indigenous people. What I've learned 
in my research is that you base what you say on the person. So yeah. an indigenous case person, by case basis. right? Like an indigenous person might call themselves an American Indian or a Native American, and so if like Lissa Yellowbird in a documentary we covered, if she calls herself a Native American, then I'm gonna let her say that. I'm not going to now assign as a white woman assign her something and say like well she calls herself that but like google told me to say indigenous no what she calls herself is what we will call her um but it's very specific if i'm just talking about indigenous people that's what i will say if i'm talking about them as a community but when a specific person comes along and says i am disabled or i am this then i will refer to always what that person calls themselves if that is not available i will do the research and also say exactly that i did the research this person is not here to call themselves you know this or that and so you, you did this what is you what could. we're trying to do and i make it clear that we're just not like saying things for the sake of it like i try to say at the top of the episode like so this is what I learned. This is what you're going to hear. We're going to try to either bleep that or not use that audio. But if we do, please know that we are like we, this happens with sex workers all the time. People use the word prostitution. People use whatever. But we've covered documentaries where the sex workers call themselves hookers. And I wouldn't if I'm talking about that group of people. But if I'm not going to we're if not going to not do. play the yeah. audio of a woman saying, you know, like, well, I, you know, while I'm tricking or while I'm doing that, like, that's her story. And she, uh, that's her voice. But when it comes to a general thing, like, like we always try to stay as I try to stay as up to date as possible with what to say, you know, like substance abuse disorder instead of drug addict. Like I try to keep up as much as possible. It change. It's going to change the podcast. The, uh, you know, this, podcasts live in a vacuum they live forever so like as as of that date that was the appropriate thing that i googled and the right thing and the most inclusive thing to say will that change in five years and will our episode where we did a lot of work to say and do the right thing will that be outdated one day sure there's an excellent chance it will be but to me like having friends in the in every in all different worlds and being able to ask people and google things like that's very important to me especially if we're telling a story that is tragic and there's also laughter involved even though we're not laughing at anyone like the victim or the situation or victim blaming or shaming or anything like that or making fun of family members like we don't do that but if there's laughter involved in telling the story it's very important to me that i get pronunciations right dates right facts right and and terms right and bob you tell me like if there's more that i can be doing please let me know i want i want to know when it comes to someone with a disability we are open books mm -hmm. so if you want to know something let's say somebody called me a cripple for example i would tell them you don't have to use that word. Right. There are other ways to say that. Like, of course. And the other thing is, the other thing that I dislike, and I'm going to be honest, and let me say this differently abled. Just say what it is. Just say disabled. Right. Why do you have to, like, yeah, do more and more work? <laughs> Just, right. Yeah. yeah. To say it. So just ask us and 
If we don't like something, we'll tell you. Yeah. We'll tell you. So, on that note, what does diversity, disability inclusion, and all that stuff mean to you? I mean, it's hard for me. I hope I'm saying the right thing here as just honestly, like a super privileged white woman. I mean, my, I'm very lucky and, and fortunate and grateful that TCO has the platform that it has. And that's why it's so important to me to do what I can to educate people, whether it be people of color, people with disabilities, um, sex workers, people with mental health, you know, ADHD, people on, on, you know, on any kind of spectrum, on anything, like, because I have a microphone in my face, I'm going to do the research. And I'm not, that's why sometimes, Bob, so I love what you're saying, like, ask us, we're here. But to me, sometimes it feels like, well, I'm not going to, that's not your job. Like, it's up to me to educate myself. And if I have this platform, others. So it is very important to me to be able to learn, you know? If you need to ask, ask. Yeah. Right. I wouldn't say like educate. I, I would I would probably if we were like putting ourselves in this situation, I would probably come to you and say, here's what the documentary said. Here's what I Googled. What do you think? Um, I do that with my trans friends all the time. Like there are certain situations that or certain documentaries that are constantly dead naming people, misgendering people. And I'm like, I don't know, like the Manti Teo documentary, for example, my trans friends have said like, please don't cover this on TCO. One, it's not oh. true crime. And two, it's pretty problematic the way it's presented. It's homophobic. It's transphobic. It's a tragic story. Yes. But for us to cover it with the audio and everything, like it's not really right. So I guess, I mean, I take it very, very, very seriously um, that we're saying the right thing because I know it goes out to a lot of people. And mm -hmm. if there's a moment for me or us to live and learn and adjust and apologize if necessary, I am always more than happy to do that. If someone says, because I think I make it very clear that I try really hard. If you're like screaming at me and calling me all these names in my DMs, that's a little harder for me, but you know, if you're right, you're right. Like, and if I'm wrong about talking about a community in a way that is harmful, then of course I will take ownership and learn and change for the next time. Um, so it, that is important to me to always be aware of all of that. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today and just catching up it's been a while since we back chatting. i know and you know thanks for having me and i think what you're doing is so incredible and i'm always around so it's an honor to be on your show the dj bob show pop culture past and present